0: Earning is the lost art and people want to win money and all this kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but really to fall in love with actually the process of going out and doing a service and getting paid for it, very few people want to do it it seems these days.
1: Hello and welcome to Trillions, I am your host Elise Grace and today I'm chatting with Lewis Mocker, founder of Infinite Prosperity and also School of Mastery. Lewis bought his first stocks and started trading around age 9, sold items on eBay, taught others how to trade Forex and became a millionaire before 30. He gives some great insight into the importance of mentors, doing what you love, investing and financial independence. Golly gosh, this one is a doozy. I'm sitting here with Lewis Mocker, founder of IP, Infinite Prosperity and School of Mastery. Thank you, Lewis, for coming today. Thank you for having me. So Lewis, you dabbled and did a few little businesses in your early years, in your childhood. Um, Some of them you shared on your socials and they're quite funny. So tell us a bit about (laughs) some of your earliest memories of being a businessman.
0: Well, um, one of my first businesses that I can remember, one of my first memories even was um, when I was a a kid, I used to have like a National Geographic book and uh, what it had is it had all the different animals. So one page per animal, the giraffe, the cheetah, the elephant, all the thing. And um, what I did there one day, I remember as a kid, I got a little pen and pad, and I used to write, draw out the pictures of the animals. And I used to you know, write the name in, and I used to give it sort of some key points, the key characteristics of the animal. And it used to be like this handwritten thing that I would produce. Yeah. Then I would take it to my mom, and then I would sell it to her. And I remember selling – my favorite animal was the cheetah. And I remember selling the, my little cheetah um, document here to my mom for two bucks. Yeah. And um, that, was, that was the first – time that I actually produced something, uh, produced, created something, and then sold it and, and made income. And um, it's, it's curious that that's kind of exactly what I do today. I, I, what I do is I really, I study something, I learn it, I master it, I add my own seasoning, sources and sides, and then I go and sell it, go and produce it. And um, so that was my fir- one of my first memories, one of my first businesses. Later in high school, I've always, I was always dabbling and doing different little things, but in high school, I was one of the first kids to get um, the broadband internet. And um, and and I got onto the porn sites early. And um, when the when the other kids, you know, kids my age, we were, you know, the guys were getting interested in that stuff, but they didn't have the internet connection, and it wasn't a thing. And um, which today it probably is. But I got the fast internet, so I used to download these little clips and these little thirty-second snippets, burn it onto a disc, and it used to tally up to like twenty minutes or something like this. And then I t- took the discs to school. I called it Lewis's Porn Palace. Nice. And then I sold them for ten bucks a pop. This was in grade eight, so that was. Uh, 2002, first year of high school, and I used to sell quite a number of them. I ended up with two volumes of it, (laughs) Porn Palace Volume 1 and Volume 2, and then eventually that got shut down by the teachers. They didn't really like that, but this has kind of been um, doing these little um, businesses all through my my life, really. End of high school, I I got more into eBay, and that was when I started uh, taking it a bit more seriously. I actually got an an ABN, and I went through the um, correct procedures to actually set up a business and and that's when I got more and more serious and then I just kept going on from there really.
1: Yeah cool so do you know why you're entrepreneurial from a young age what was the thinking behind selling things?
0: Uh, I, I don't know I, I wouldn't say that my parents were necessarily entrepreneurial I would say that uh, whatever I did they were very supportive of and um and so if I had a, an idea, I would, I would let my dad know, and he would say, that's great. You can do anything that you set your mind to, was, was something that he affirmed to me regularly. And he tended tend to support anything that I got into. Early on, I, I, I know that I loved cars. and I, I knew that I, I wanted nice cars, and so that was probably a little bit of an underlying um, motivation, because I knew that somehow, and at some time, to get the cars, you had to do a business to make enough income to get them. So that was probably a little bit of a, a motivator for me as well.
1: Yeah, same here. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, so your dad was really supportive when you were younger. Very much, yeah. And uh, I'm I'm aware that he taught you about trading and investing in stocks. So, can you teach us or tell us a little bit about um, how old you were when you first got into stock trading?
0: Yeah, so from probably around seven years of age, I I realised that for birthday and Christmas the toys that I that I was getting for these kind of occasions were I already got all the toys that I wanted. They're usually and, pretty crap anyway. And they're crappy, <laughs> yeah. exactly right. And um and, and look if I, it was if it wasn't my birthday and I wanted a particular thing, I'd just, you know, try and get it out of my parents anyway. And so what I realized is if I asked for money for birthday and Christmas, then I could start to save a little bit. And so from about seven through nine, every uh, birthday and Christmas I just asked everyone for money. I want cash, I want cash. And so I used to get cash instead of presents. And then what I used to do with the cash is I just gave it straight over to my dad, who eventually um, opened a bank account for me and eventually opened a Comsec brokerage account. It was in his name, but I was sort of the, the trustee for it because I, was, I wasn't of age, obviously. And, um, and so my first um, I, I accumulated 500 Australian dollars. It was actually like 470, which was like my life savings. I was about nine years old. And um, my first stock uh, investment was Telstra shares. And uh, they didn't do so well. I held them until I was maybe 17 years old. Yeah. And um, I didn't, you know what? I didn't make money on that, much money on that trade. But what it did was it it got me, it got my foot in the door. I got meat in the game. And I remember even from that young age, logging onto my ComSec account because I had the password. And I used to go on and I used to click around and read the reports. And just the act of, just, just the fact of having them there helped me to get in the right mindset. And so I just kept saving, kept saving for years, really, and just building up that portfolio. The first portfolio was on ComSec, Australian shares.
1: Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool that you had <laughs> parents that supported you and, and helped you along with your journey. And then you, you mentioned before that you got into eBay. So tell us a bit about um, your early days with eBay and how that transitioned into creating infinite prosperity.
0: Mm-hmm. So it was, gosh, maybe grade 11, grade 12, grade, grade 11 or grade 12, end of high school. A friend of a friend was somehow coming into uh, Apple products. Uh, At the time, it was uh, iPads, uh, not iPads, iPods, like the first generation iPod and iPod Nano. If I I can recall correctly, they were thin and they were coloured. They were the pink and the blue and all the different colours. iPod Nano. He was coming into them and somehow he was selling us, selling them to us for very cheap, and we were buying them all and then going and selling them back over on eBay. So what I was, my specialty at the time was building things that looked good online. So I'd, I, I knew a little bit about Photoshop. I knew how to make a sales page look pretty and it looked better than all the rest. Nice. And, um, and so we were, we were buying them for X price and then selling them, flogging them on eBay. And at one point there, sort of toward the end of high school, I was making like a thousand bucks a week in profit just from um, flipping these, these, these iPods. We realized though that eventually they were, we found out that the, the source that we were getting them through, they were hot. They were yeah. stolen. All right. And so that guy got in trouble. <laughs> we were we were en- enough, uh, you know, down the chain that we never got in trouble or anything like that. But um, that business came to a, a real quick stop. Yeah. And so when you're 16 and you and you've been doing this thing on eBay making a thousand bucks a week, it feels like a, a little bit at the time. And so that was a shocker to have it cut off. And so what I realized I needed to do then is I needed to find a way to get products in so I could keep this thing going. And um, that's what started my eBay business. I had a, a company called Loops International. And, um, and I had some suppliers in Australia. But a lot of my products, I ended up going through DHgate, which I think is still around.
1: Like the shipping company?
0: Uh, well, it's, it's like a Chinese... Back in the day, DHgate was like a Chinese supplier, kind of like AliExpress, yeah, like yeah. Alibaba. Except Ali, that wasn't as big back then. Yeah. And so I was going through DHgate and getting all kind of products, hair straighteners, T-shirts, branded things. Um, headphones. Were you
1: doing like trial and error to see what A start? little bit
0: of trial and error, a little bit of drop shipping where I could, um, but in large part I was just was shipping in and then just flipping it on eBay
1: Yeah.
0: and that was my, that was the business I would say that I first started taking seriously.
1: Yeah, cool. Yeah. And then so how did that transition to IP?
0: Right, so then what happened is I, uh, around that time I, I met Amy. Well, let me, let me go back. No, I knew her from high school, but we were out of high We Probably the first year out of high school, we started talking a, a little bit more. Amy's my, ex, my former business partner who we ran Infinite Prosperity with. And um, she was interested in doing something a little bit different. And she, I, she came to me and she said, oh, I want to learn what you're up to. And I taught her eBay. And in the end, I was looking to get out of eBay at that time and go and put all of my time and energy into Forex trading. That was at the very start of my Forex trading career. And, um, so I ended up just giving her the business, pretty much giving her the sales pages, giving her the rest of my products that I had. And she took over and she did bloody good. She found out where I was getting my stuff from. And then she, she negotiated with them, hustled them down. And she Smart. was getting, she was getting the much, the products much cheaper than what I was getting and ended up, she was getting that thing to like making four grand a week. Nice. And, um, and I was, I was pretty impressed. I'm like, when this, when you had enough of doing this, let me teach you trading. And so she was my first trading student. And um, and so we and so I taught her that I gave her some strategies to do. I set her charts up and I said, go home and do this every day at this particular time. And um, she took that very seriously. And so two, in a, two from two is what I had in my mind. I thought this chick is um, she's she's pretty inspired. She's pretty motivated. And um, so I, I I invested some more time and energy in her into her, and she did really quite well in a in a pretty short period of time.
1: In forex trading. In forex trading.
0: And, yeah. And so uh, Amy, by the way, is in my. Mine has been a little bit more probably ag- aggressive than than me personally, but um in the early stages that I think was to her benefit and so um, very early in her effects, she had a, a bit of a, a couple of months worth of, of track record. she was doing very well, but she came across a two hundred thousand dollar investment and so in you know, early days she she took me into her office one day we ended up getting an office in her mum's apartment yeah. and in one of the spare rooms. And she had like a triple screen um, trading set up on this corner and I had one on this corner and we would trade there.
1: Hustle together.
0: Yeah, we worked together, hustled together, exactly right, put the music on for the London Open. It was great. It was good times, actually. And um, she took me into her office. She was a surprise for me. She took me into her office, showed me her brokerage account and it had something like in the order of two hundred and twenty, two hundred and forty thousand dollars 240000 in it. Right. And uh, I was like, What? I had just taught her like a few months ago, right? It was a, I don't know exactly how many months, but it was, it was a a huge amount. I said, where the hell did you get this from? I think she started off putting around about five to 10 grand of her own money in. She, she got the, she did well. She got the, she got the returns. She, she got the confidence that she needed, but then she went, go, she went ham with the uh, investor capital. So she showed me this, this figure and I'm like, what the hell is this? And we were kids at the time. And, and, um, and I'm like, what's going on here? She's like, I'm I'm trading investor capital now. Now, I don't know if it was that day or the day after. It just so happened that in the first week that she that she took the uh, investor capital, there was a, a massive run on Swiss franc, if my memory serves me correctly, <laughs> and um, she was up at one point like twenty thousand dollars in in profit in in, in the space of twenty four hours of putting trades on, and um, and I thought gosh, man, this is crazy. What you need to do is put your screen recorder on and do a little video of, of what you've done here. And she did. And she recorded that video. I think it's still on the internet somewhere. And she recorded this video of explaining what she did and the profit that she was up, like 15 or 20 grand at the time. And, um, and so that from that, that got a little bit of traction on the video. And things just grew out from there. That got a lot of attention in even in our circle. Yeah. And so shortly after that, what we'd have is we'd have friends and 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 people from school come over and we'd be in our little office there learning to trade and so we started teaching them and that's where the idea came from really and so we'd send them home with little pen and pad homework go to the site get the get this software you know what i mean awesome. and and um, and and download this chart and all this kind of thing and that's where it started and that's where we realized like we've got something here that was my first Student who had some some degree of success, and so I had confidence then, as the teacher to, to be like, "You know what maybe we should put something together
1: yeah
0: and uh, that 's when the idea of, of infinite prosperity was born
1: oh, very cool, and then yeah. you ended up with students all around the world
0: right by the How time by the time we finished that project, I think it was something somewhere in the order of uh, sixty fifty five sixty countries we got sixty countries now in school of mastery too, so yeah, around about that sixty countries we hit yeah i p was big though I mean we ended up getting um, in the order of eight thousand. Uh, paying clients and somewhere in the order of 80,000 um, leads and, and, and free students who, had, who knew about us and who were doing our, our free stuff and were on the list.
1: Unreal. Yeah. Oh, congrats. That's very cool. <laughs> I didn't realize it was so massive. Yeah. Cool. So then from IP days, uh, why did you transition out of Infinite Prosperity and into School of Mastery, which is more holistic seven areas of life?
0: Yeah. A couple of reasons. I think the first, um, the first thing that happened was I met John. Martini, mm-hmm. who's my mentor uh, today, and he kind of fucked us up in, in uh, 2015 when we first saw him. In a good way. In a good way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, what I learned from John is, uh, it, well, as you know, you learn a different way of, of looking at the world, of looking at life, of, at, of looking at the universe, and it expanded my mind in this way that it, what I felt when I went home that I was doing was not quite cutting it it wasn't quite filling my cup the way that it used to yeah at that time and um, that was sort of the first little thorn in the side in my in my mind and to be honest it took me years to have that flower out to the point where I left the company it was four years or something but there's that little idea of am I doing everything that I can possibly do to have the have the most fulfilling time to make the biggest contribution have the biggest legacy or the best legacy that I possibly can do. And what I re- realized is I was looking around and what we were doing and it was great and, and many students had a really a lot of amazing results from IP and we reached a lot of people with that but a, a lot also we were what was happening is we were attracting in in the trading space. we were attracting in people who just wanted to get rich quick, they wanted to gamble, they didn't actually want to work that hard. they just wanted some sort of click button you know passive income online strategy, right? And, the, and the, the demographic was sketchy. The industry itself is is a little dicey. I don't, I'm not sure if you're... Yeah. I've,
1: I've seen lots of ads and lots of people being quite flashy to get people in. And, and so right. they're trying to you know, get rich
0: quick. Right, exactly. Look, what, what I learned also from being in the industry, because we were ended up being a um, affiliated with a broker who gave us our Australian Financial Services License which we needed to, to run IP. And what we found out is that for all of Forex trading, for all retail traders, they have what's called a B-book. Mm-hmm. And so really what it is, is for every dollar that a Forex trader signs up for, to a brokerage account and deposits a dollar into their account, at the end of the day, 92% of that, 92 cents on the dollar ends up in the broker's pocket. Wow. Because what the broker does is just takes the opposite side of the trade and they they create these synthetic markets where the where the B-book traders are not even really trading the market. The broker is just the liquidity provider on the other side. They're literally betting against their clients. And so it's a huge conflict of interest. And and while there there is the occasional uh, trader who breaks out and, and does really phenomenally well, the lion's share is just made up of people and, in my perception, have a little bit of a fantasy about really what it takes. When I s- started to see that and slowly put all of the... the the pieces of the puzzle together I realized that you know what I probably have something more significant to to contribute here and so that was um, that's how I eventually started moving out of IP
1: yeah right and so tell us about IP now and oh, yeah. sorry about, about School of Mastery now and and what you do there and, and some yeah. of the, the beautiful stories that have come out of yes
0: already. yeah I mean I mean that it's a cool project man like so toward the end of IP, what was happening is I started putting a lot of my, um, my, my, what I was learning into IP. And so IP started sort of evolving in that direction as well. Yeah. But at the very end, look, the reason, I guess, the, the final nail in the coffin, I left IP because we, we, we needed to do a whole course upgrade. And I realized that, God, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to do all this work. And, and at the end of the day, I'd already started Mastermind in 2018. And, um, and I'd already started doing these monthly masterclasses, building out the kind of content, and teaching the kinds of things that I really wanted to teach. And um, by the time that we got to the point in IP where we, where we realized we needed to do a course rebuild, it was actually at a, at a time in my School of Mastery journey where I'd already done it all. I'd already built everything that I wanted to put into the new IP course. And so that was when I knew that, you know what, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna wipe the slate. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna walk away from it. Yeah. And um, it needs too much work. And I'm just gonna go and do my own thing with school. And so, school. What we're doing is is really focusing on not just the financial component, and certainly not just the trading component, but more of a, a a wider range of areas, every area of life. And so, we really wanted to have content on health, on wealth, on wisdom and mindset, on the business as well, and and not just trading business, but more. Um, Service-based business, product-based business—I call it the four-product empire. Um, relationships as well, um, and 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 having a, a solid family life and building that wisely. And I'm also having a, a spiritual purpose as well and social leadership. And so it's more of a a, a universal personal development platform than what IP was was ever going to allow us to do, yeah. being so restricted to the to the finance.
1: Yeah, and so I'm a member of your mastermind and the content that you put out is so highly valuable and you've got 700, nearly 800 students in there who impact and um, the content is incredible. So Thank you. what yeah. you're doing with there is, is amazing and, and it's certainly having a lot of impact, which is just, it's just a bit more broader. It's impacting a lot of different areas of life, like you said. Yep. yep. So tell us about your mentors. Um, who, who are your mentors now? You mentioned John Martini before. Is he your sole mentor or do you have, have you had other mentors along the way?
0: Look, I've had many mentors. I think every time I read a book, I, there's, there's some degree of a mentorship dynamic in there. mm mm-hmm. Um, my, but I've, but I've really in real life I've only had a handful Maybe five ever Do you think um, they're important? I think that mentors have a role, definitely I think that you can either learn things yourself By trial and error But it's a slow way to do it It's a much slower way to do it you know, the way that I think of it is like this. If you, if you go and study under a mentor who spent 10, 20 years perfecting some particular craft yeah. and um, you, can, you can read their book, which, you know, they might have spent two years writing or five years writing, you know, or in the case of um, How to Win Friends and Influence People, like 20 years yeah. putting that together, you're going to learn a lot more in eight hours than you could possibly do by going out there and learning everything yourself. Definitely mentorship has a role. It's, it's an efficient way to learn. At the same time, I think it also there's some, there's some drawbacks and risks to having too many mentors yeah. because I see a lot of people also have mentors who they look up to and they place on this crazy unreachable pedestal and they compare themselves into them and then they don't really get off the ground themselves. Yeah. Um, and so you, you want to balance it. I I, I like the idea of balancing having um, mentors, but then also having students as well, because when you learn something from a mentor, then you go and repackage and reword it. And if you can go and learn it to a degree where you can confidently teach it in your own words, then it has a number of benefits. One, you're balancing the equation and making sure that you're not just the consumer of information, but you're also a provider of information. But two, what, what, what it does is it also cements the... Lesson in because when you can share something in your own words you 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 learn it more It sticks in stays in the mind
1: yeah 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 100 i i can understand how that dynamic plays out i'm just learning that nowadays with with my own mentorship and yep it's really powerful helping other people yep so um do you still trade like what what, what do you do for investing uh if you if you're willing to share be great yep. to know um what your thoughts are around investing and why it's important to have investments passive income
0: well it depends on 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 your goal, really, it depends on really what you want financially. What I say to what I say to my students is, you want to aim for a degree of financial independence where your investments can support your expenses, and so you, over time, if you if you If you go out there and you do a job or you have a business or you sell products or you have some sort of an income from doing something that you love doing and serving people in the economy you're going to have an income come in then what you want to do is automate a saving out into a savings account that you build up build up build up build up and then what you want to do is go and have a system where every month or every two weeks you go and automatically invest that have that invested and over a long period of time that compounds out um, eventually, over uh, over a long period of time, you want to get it to that, so that that investment kitty, just the passive income component of it, you can pay for all of your expenses, depending on how you want to live life. And so, to that degree, to that, to that end, it's important. Um, I find that a lot of people don't do it though. Yeah. Uh, so many people are not investing, or, they, or they're relying on their superannuation, their 401k, or in some cases, many cases, people are not just they're just not setting themselves up and they're going to have to eventually have to rely on the kids, you know, and sacrifice the next generation of wealth building. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that's, I mean, that's kind of crazy. So I think it's important, but I mean, I, 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 it's, it seems evident that not everyone feels that way. Um, What I, what I do personally, the majority of what I'm doing now is going into, literally is going into Vanguard mutual funds. Okay. So um, it's a, it's a combination between um, their money market funds for my cash buffers. Um, then some into bonds and then some into their high growth funds. Um, the high growth in Australia we have one called the uh Life Strategy High Growth Fund. And I'm over over its um lifetime, I think it's done something in, somewhere in the order of eight, nine percent per year. It's pretty good. Since inception. Yeah. Which, you know, it's you can you can most certainly do better than that in trading. Yeah. But what I found through, through running IP and seeing the guys and girls who, who did much better than that is what happens is then they, they, they do better and then they have a what they do is they, they don't really compound that necessarily all of it they pull some of it out they go and spend some on lifestyle you're talking they, about
1: reinvesting the dividends
0: I'm talking about reinvesting yeah. definitely but what I'm saying is that if you if you if you go and have a higher uh, uh, annual return through doing things like trading and you're pulling the cash out, you've got to pay the taxes on it, you're going you're spending it on lifestyle. Now, if you actually track the long-term performance of these guys and gals and actually how much they end up with, it very, very, very rarely Exceeds just a, a, a very quiet passive investment, mm. and and as long as the, the real key is that as long as you're doing a, a a job or a business that you really like doing, you love waking up in the morning and bloody doing that thing, you can live off that, and 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 you can just then have your investments just on autopilot, just do it, you know, doing your seven to ten percent per annum is what I say, yeah. and so well, a lot of what I do now is just that, and to be fair, I'm, I'm doing a, a little bit more, um, a little bit more intricate, and so what I do is I set cash aside that isn't invested every month and so I have a, a, a couple of different cash kitties like this building side by side. Now every month um, I'm buying the market, buying the market, buying the market but I'm also building up a cash for the crash buffer as well mm-hmm. and so when things happen like this year in March yeah. and we had a, a, a bit of a fall away I dumped a little bit of, of, of cash into into the market and I, I rode this I rode the the latest wave up yeah. and so even though the market isn't Um, quite at where it was. Um, We're sitting on some nice profits this year um, already. And so that's a little bit what I do when the market falls below the long-term mean I I buy in. But usually I'm just buying in every month, just approximating the the mean of the market. And then what it it allows me to do is just focus on the business. Yeah. Yeah, focus on serving people. Exactly right. I can make, look, to double my income from business could be done in a couple of, I wouldn't say Weeks. It it could be done a lot quicker than going and doubling your investment returns. Yeah, and so I may may as well focus on that.
1: Plus, you impact more people when you do that.
0: Plus, you impact more people. Mm. Plus, it's more sustainable. Plus, you're you're learning new skills. So that in any, my whole thing also is like, no matter what the market condition is, and no matter what's happening on the planet, whether it's a pandemic or 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 a boom phase, you want to be able to adapt and evolve and learn how to thrive in any condition. If you can thrive in any time, then you've, then you have an advantage.
1: Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing, sharing your investment strategy yeah. a little bit. And um, yeah, so you were telling us a bit before about how you spend a lot of your time filming and creating products and services and upskilling. So what does a day in the life of Lewis Mocker look like <laughs> aside from the, the Vino's at
0: night? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we, 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 we go to bed pretty early. I love being in, in bed by, by nine 30 or so. Um, It depends, but sometimes I'm up a bit later. But then we wake up early, early to bed, early to rise. My dad used to say, makes a man healthy, wealthy and wise. And so we like to wake up early. First thing we do, Robin and I do, is we go and do a little bit of work. We do the emergency work overnight, um, get on our computers. And then I, I, we go to coffee.
1: What do you mean emergency
0: work? Emails or uh, Yeah, emergency, we mean like emails, anything that, things like, oh, someone emails in and say, oh, I need access or, or, I have, or I've lost Putting my out access. Fires, like, Putting out yeah, yeah, little things like that. It's not really emergency. And, um, and, and you know, approving people for this or that or making, you know, this yeah. kind of thing. The things that need to be actioned relatively quickly. We do that before we go out. And um, then we go get the coffee. We do a little breakfast club. Yeah. And um, lately we've been doing that in Tessie, which we love. And what we do, we pull up there, and we have a beautiful park, beautiful view, and with the next to the water, and have a little coffee in the morning, and a little bit of a snack sometimes. In the Tesla? Yeah, it's great. And we eat like literally like thirty percent of our meals now. I reckon one in three. Right. We have in the Tesla. Literally every every day we have a meal in the Tesla. Cool. It's it's a it's That's very fun. it's a comfortable little area to do it. We have got the aircon, we have got the Netflix, we got the YouTube, and all. I think. Yeah. It's really good, and um, then we come home and do a bit of work. So this morning. For example, I had a module plan, and so I filmed. I've got the pen all over my fingers still. (laughs) Um, I did do a little bit of filming, do a little bit of editing, and um, then I got to send my dose of mastery, my my daily newsletter out at 5 p.m. So I usually do that from you write them daily four to five. At the moment, I am, um, because I only started, I'm only on dose uh, 10 today, I think it is. At the moment, I am, but I will. uh, What I'm going to do is bank a bunch so that I don't have to do it every day, Um, and then. um, once that's sent out, we, we like to watch the sunset and um, catch up on, uh, do a debrief for the day and have some dinner with Rob and get back into bed again, and do it again. Yeah, nice. I mean, pretty, honestly, pretty boring. Like, we have a we have a pretty regimented life. Scheduled. Yeah. yeah. And now we've got this, we're doing a, a vlog, three three vlogs a week on YouTube, right? Yeah, what's the goal and, with that? Uh, well, it's called Life with Lewis and Robin, and um, we're, we're trying to, what we really want to do is get a little bit of a documentation here of what we how we're living and so you know when we eventually have kids they can see you know how what was going on in the years leading up to their birth and all those kind of things so it's a little bit of a family legacy also it's a little bit of you know personal branding getting out there inspiring people and things like this but it's a little challenging because like our lives are pretty boring
1: (laughs) we did it for 30 days straight and it was (laughs) yeah we we were like okay how can we make this different and different angles and
0: it's challenging yeah. unless you've got one of these buddies if you're a travel you know if you're full-time traveling it's easy yeah and the vlogs are great too because everyone loves a travel vlog but the truth is i mean if you're just working gosh i mean it's it's tricky to come up with something every day that's uh that's good but your vlog was good i saw Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was yeah, great.
1: Well, I can't take the credit for editing. We did have an <laughs> editor, but um, we did put the content together each day and yeah, send it off to him each night. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have these challenges, though. You find that after a bit of time, it becomes the norm and it just becomes a part of the routine. And I think that that's important that uh, when you're expanding and pushing the comfort zone, it feels uncomfortable for a little bit and then it's the norm. Then you push again, the norm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. So how does that work with, with uh, you and your, your Lamborghinis? I've been following you or well, known you for six years now and you had the, the M3 and then the SRT and now you've got the, the Lamborghini as well as the X. So uh-huh. a, a lot of people aspire to have a, a supercar, me in particular. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love them because they're different and um, they're beautiful to drive. So uh, how do you find the, the Tesla and, and how people treat you? Do they treat you differently? And I mean, what is it like owning one?
0: I mean honestly the truth is you acclimate to it very quickly Mm -hmm. and so look the tesla is is it's it's pretty quiet i mean like no one really looks or takes photos or anything the lambo on the other hand is every traffic light that you pull up to you got to make sure that you're not picking your nose or doing you know (laughs) seriously and sometimes you forget but every time at the traffic light either the car necks or people you know people have their cameras out and they're filming it and and everything it's a it's a big attention grabber that one um but it's been great I mean, you've got to have a certain kind of personality for that, I guess. Yeah. It's not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. If, if you don't like being in the sort of center of attention, you don't want to get a... a Lambo's not probably your car of choice. Yeah. But I love that both having them both, actually. They're beautiful contrasts because they're literally polar opposites. And so I love having both. One is low and loud, and the other one's big and tall and quiet and, and soft. It, the Tesla's faster. <laughs> to 100, I think the Tesla's faster. Yeah. We haven't we haven't drag raced them yet, but maybe for a video one day. Yeah, that'd be cool. But, um, but the Tesla... I think is faster, yeah.
1: Yeah. And how does it help with business? I know that you mentioned that sometimes having a luxury car can help with meeting night like minded people.
0: Maybe in twenty twelve I think there was a there was a thing where if you bought a supercar it would give you, you know, like a lot of esteem and and, and social credit and this kind of thing. And I think for you know, we used it in marketing as well and it was definitely effective. I think now it's getting a little bit more taboo because sort of everybody kid on with a YouTube channel is now getting a, a Lambo or something like yeah. that. So it's a little bit more cheesy now. If anything, I think it can actually undermine the brand if, if you're too brash with the, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. With, the, with the showing yeah. off of it. I, I, I like to think that I'm relatively tasteful. I don't you know blow it up just for the sake of, of, of posting it up and this kind of thing. Um, however, like I said, um, once recently I think it definitely opens doors. We, we, we get invited to events that we literally wouldn't get invited to. And at those events, we meet people who are, who are moving, shaking, kicking goals, doing things. And, and just through that part of it alone, we've made friends. I, I'll give you an example. The pajama bosses, we, they were neighbors of ours who we lived together for years and years and years. Mm. And we did not know they lived there. And I don't probably, they did probably didn't know we lived there. Anyway, I got the Lambo in 2016, and when I drove past them one day, they took notice of it, and, um, and and that, all it took in our little basement downstairs is all, that was what it took, and they were inspired then to say, hey, next time we see them in the basement, let's pull them over and introduce ourselves yeah. to Robin and I, and we did, and we made great friends, and um, and still we're friends to this day, and so there's like just one little relationship and of many that we've created just from having this damn car. Now... What's interesting with them is that we're in a very similar niche. And so back then when we, when we met, we caught up and they gave us a couple of different business ideas. We acted on one of them. Yeah. And um, specifically that, that idea was to create a four-part video series into our, into our main product. And um, it's what they were doing with ClickFunnels and they were in uh, Russell Brunson's group and all this. And they told us, do this, it will be really great. Now, that one funnel in a very short period of time, we made somewhere in the order of $350,000 or something like this. And I don't know if we would have done that if it weren't for that relationship. Yeah. And so th- th- there's just one example of how you know the car is actually there. There is a return that you can get if you're if you're you know if you're sharp with how you're using it and, and how you're optimizing for the relationships that you can build and networking and all that kind of thing. Yeah. There's a real. There's a real return.
1: Yeah. I think I think I think you're right. And if it's tasteful, then you can definitely make waves and, and make friends. Yeah. With that. So we've spoken a lot about the incredible things you've done in your life. When's been a time that you have done something or had a learning experience? I won't call it a mistake, but something you've learned from it and you got a valuable lesson.
0: <laughs> something where I've learned something. You know, yeah, I wouldn't say I've ever... Mistakes are, are an interesting thing. It's, it's like in the moment that you make it, if you don't extract the lesson out of it, the benefit out of it, you think you're think you going to think it's a mistake. Um it's hard it's hard for me to come up with a with a lot of them I, I, I the things that I've that I've done where I that have set me back I've seen I've seen the the, the benefit I've seen I've seen the lesson that I was that I needed sometimes you know it's been in cases where I've been naive for example mm. I've been naive definitely going into deals and thinking that you know someone else had my interest at at the top of their mind which is usually not true mm. um, you know they want to look after themselves first and foremost and I don't think that that's a sinister thing. I think that's just human nature. You got to look after your own power unit, and um, first. And so things like this, I've definitely in the past been too naive, and a little bit blinded. And um, other times, maybe too skeptical and missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done that many times in in investing, in trading, in in relationships, partnerships, deals, opportunities. Um, I mean, many what different things. Know, what
1: were you going
0: to say? I was all I was say is that. The, the real learning curve, if I could really summarize it, of all the aggregate of all the things that I've learned is that if you're too far in one direction, the learning journey will be back toward the middle. If you're too uh, skeptical and, and fearful, what you're going to miss out on opportunities that are real. If you're too naive and, and greedy, too far out the other direction, then you're going to get into deals that aren't real. And, and one you, you know you 're going to get eaten by the, the opportunist the other you're going to meet you're going to miss the opportunity. I think the aggregate of all the things that I 've learned is to to try to govern myself, bring myself back into the center, bring myself back into balance and um, if you can do that, then you don't usually need to manifest a, a situation where you need to get a lesson
1: okay now that makes total yeah. sense. <laughs> what about uh, loss of money like a where you have been too greedy and you've, you've lost you've lost money and it's brought you back into balance. You know what, like... Can you remember specific...
0: Y- you know what, like, my whole journey from, from seven years old is saving my Christmas money. It's been really... My finances have been exceptionally smooth. Sounds like it. I, 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 and that's not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but I haven't had you, these huge, big, big, big overnight wins. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had huge, big, big, big overnight losses. I've been very, in fact, I did the standard deviation on my total um, daily cash flows recently because every day I I have a a spreadsheet where I tally all my cash and all the accounts day by day and I chart it out. Mm -hmm. And um, I did the standard deviation of, you know, the the volatility of it and it's insanely low. Like my max drawdown of my total liquidity my total net worth this this year, even through COVID, has been Incredibly low. It's it's quite ridiculous, actually. It's actually I'm probably a little too low. It's probably an indicator that I'm being a little bit on the conservative side, and I could afford to be a bit more gre- aggressive. But I, I wish that I had a cool story of of a loss. I, but I I you know even when I was trading and and um, during those times I set very diligent risk management protocols. I never violated them, and um, it was a very every loss was was the worst case scenario was calculated ahead of time, and so there wasn't really anything there i really don't have a great story about that but at the same time you know i don't really have huge overnight successes to to talk about either yeah. it's just been a gradual accumulation gradual chipping away and and i tend to like that yeah i tend to like the stability that that offers. yeah
1: i think it sounds good to ideal to be uh, more in balance than have these you know volatile wins and volatile yeah. losses because then it, it's
0: True. For, for for the way that I would like to live life a bit more of a bit more of a centered and balanced way and not so eccentric, at the same time, you know, I hear about these guys and girls who do these businesses and they have these big exits and they, you know, bank 20 million, 50 million in, in one pot. I'm like, geez, golly gosh, that's not a bad, you know, not a bad way yeah, to well, do it either. I mean, yeah. there's, there'll be a benefit to doing it that way too. But I think if I did a big exit and uh, banked a bunch in one, in one hit, I'd definitely I'd, I'd take a day off to have a wine or something but I'd get, I'd get back to work really <laughs> yeah.
1: I think that's the best life you can create is one where you we only spent one night in Brisbane um, Thursday night for our anniversary yep. and I remember sitting on the side of the pool and um, we'd, we'd finished sending our clients messages and we looked out at the pool it was a beautiful day in Brisbane in winter and uh, Jacinda looked at me and she said are you ready to get back to work? I was like yeah Let's go home. Oh, my God. It's like midday.
0: I was bored. Oh, my God. I can't it's like st- two hours. No, I can't stand it. I can't. I, I, going away, It's not the life, man. It's like... It's so boring. It's like... My, I, I made this joke. It's like the lap... You know how the thing is, like laptop lifestyle and all yeah. this kind of thing. And um, that sells well, you know. To, it sells the dream. But anytime you've actually ever done that, it's tremendously boring. Yeah. It's like, if, you re- if I'm really, really honest, I've, I've had the times when you're, you're working by the poolside, maybe in Bali, and I'm sipping on this coconut, alcoholic coconut... I took a photo for Instagram, posted up, blows up millions of likes and all this thing. Oh, God, wasn't that so great? The truth is, the sun is beaming down on the laptop and there's a tremendous amount of glare. It's overheating. I can't see the laptop screen properly. Yeah, the laptop fans are humming and harring and the the laptop's having a terrible time. Sand has fallen into the hinge of the laptop and it's gritty and grindy. I'm dehydrated because I've been smashing alcoholic coconuts all day. Mm. It's not... actually the dream that you think if you're actually there yeah and um the truth is uh, having an office that you love going to like a you know a little workspace at home that's that's safe and secure and comfortable and efficient lots of desk space oh my god it's i can't wait to get home yeah you know yeah can't wait to get home to that thing yeah we
1: were still the same we thought we'd be there for the day you know taking some, some time out because we've been going hard for the whole month and yeah. we were bored as fuck yeah <laughs> yeah i can relate yeah so um you you help a lot of people, and uh, you've had a huge impact on my life, uh, and many others who I know personally, why do you care about helping other people?
0: Well, I'll say this, early on, it wasn't always that way, early on, one of the the most significant experiences and things I can remember was um, probably 2013, about six to eight months um, into the start of Infinite Prosperity, and we launched this thing. And um got an email from one of my students, because back in those days, I did all the support emails myself, literally replied to every single one. And I um, got an email from uh, one of our students. And I got it saved at home. And um, it was a very long email, which usually I, I, I dread reading, but I, I started reading this thing. And it was basically he, the student was explaining, like, six months earlier, I was on the edge of committing suicide. And there were two failed attempts, but I was really... On, I was on that ledge, and um, he said that through the last six months of learning through the infinite prosperity, getting his finances in order, having some hope, setting goals, which is one of, our, one of our modules, having some sort of clear vision for the future that gave him hope, gave him something to look forward to, gave him some meaning and some structure in his life, completely transformed him. And um, he, he kind of said, if it wasn't for IP, you know, he might not be here. And when I read that, I, th- I got goosebumps on my arm, and I realized, whoa, man! I look, this is a business. I, I'm uh, I'm having a good time doing this. I wasn't quite aware of the impact, the really the impact that it was making in the lives of the students until I read that. And so that was, I had a little bit of a shift after that. I realized that what I was doing here, it's not just a, you know, it's not just an online business. It's it's you're really making, you're really having an impact on people's lives. And I started taking it after that a little bit more seriously as well and, um, and so that that was a big one, and then the, you know over the years those kinds of messages have just keep coming in and so that's it's, I mean it's very rewarding to receive that um, to, 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 to know that your work, your hard work is actually being received and used and integrated and it's actually making a real impact on real people's lives and getting some feedback on that's very rewarding, very fulfilling. I think that to be fair, everyone has the desire to want to help. Yeah. Um, maybe not everyone's aware of exactly how they can help, um, but the desire to want to help is in there. Look, the other thing that I would say is that I wouldn't go so far as to, you know, post me as this, I'm just a, a martyr and I just want to help everyone, like a Mother Teresa. <laughs> the, the, you, look, the truth is, let me put it like this. If you wanted to be, let's go the opposite way. If you wanted to be like the craziest narcissist, living like a, an absolute royalty, living like a king, and he wanted to make all the money and all this sort of thing. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. How would you do that? Well, you could go and get the money with force and steal the money <laughs> so that you could go and live, good, live well. But the thing is, when you do that, someone else is going to get a bigger stick and come back and take the money back off you. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, you're going to be just warring all your life. The other way that you could do is, is you could manipulate and, and trick people mentally out of the, out of the cash. And scam them and all this kind of thing, but then what's going to happen is you're going to get locked up. You're going to get thrown in jail, and you're not going to be able to enjoy the money. And so, when you really factor that, when you really think about that, the only real way to live the best life that you possibly can is to actually go and help people get something that they want. Yeah, it's the only way to do it. That's sustainable. The only way to do it is to actually think about how can I go and help people solve problems that they're having in their life, or help them to achieve goals and dreams that they were having in their life. And if you can do that efficiently, then you have a transaction and you can make the income. And if the transaction actually closes and they're happy for having given you the money, then it's a closed deal. You have a real deal and you can actually build a lot of wealth in that way and that's sustainable and it's going to last and someone's not going to come and rob it from you because you didn't rob it from anyone. So I say that, you know, in terms of this, you know, wanting to help people, it's it's the most efficient way to get what you want. Yeah, just help help people get what they want. I think it's, it's al- just efficiency.
1: I think it's also a fantastic model that you have online. Uh, a lot of businesses are physical businesses, and that's fantastic. And they they may make two hundred million a year, but what's the profit margins on those? And uh, it, it's also quite complex doing that. Um, plus, what you're saying about uh, wanting to help people—they they still the people that you you teach, right? You've got eight hundred students um, or thereabouts. Uh, they still have to take that information, ingest it, take it in. One, take the time to learn, and two, actually action the information. So, yeah. um, whilst you're providing it, then the, there's a certain element where people need to action it as well.
0: Of course, absolutely.
1: So, what what do you say to people who um, who like to put out there? Will, will coaches coaches become coaches because, or um, teachers become teachers because they they don't um, or they, you haven't had a business before or a multi-million dollar business? Who are you to teach? But what do you well, say to those
0: people? Well, it depends on what it, it depends on what your marketing is. If you're going out and saying, "Look, I'm going to help you grow a multi-million dollar business," and you've never made a multi-million dollar business, then there's a little bit of a um, what's what's the word? There's a, there's a little bit of incongruency with your offer, yeah. and um, you're going to probably in that state feel the imposter syndrome, feel like I'm worried about being called out for being a fraud because you actually haven't done it. And so in the same way that I don't go out, you know, there's some um, there's some mentors who actually they're niche their their niche is to to take businesses from 10 million a year to 100 million a year Mm -hmm. and so that's their thing and they can they can only do that if they've done it before now so for in my case i don't go and teach people how to make 100 million a year because i haven't made 100 million a year business yet and so you can only teach your way down but everything that you have everything that you've really truly grown to you can take that and teach down because there's people two steps below you who would benefit from you. It's a real service teaching people who are two steps down yeah. to help them get to where you are in a, in a more efficient way so that they don't have to do all the trial and erroring. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're being authentic with that, then there's no issue. Yeah, you'll still get haters and say, like, oh, if what's the, yeah, I know what you were trying to say. I think it was like, um, it, if you can't do, you teach. That's it, yeah. 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 I do, there, there's always there, going to You're always going to have that. Yeah. That. Yeah. And that's fine.
1: So what is your legacy, yeah. Lewis? Uh, you, you talk a lot about building a business and a life that lives on beyond yourself and, and creating something for your children and grandchildren and so forth. So yeah. what's your personal legacy?
0: I I have many, actually. I have a few. Um, but, you know, one of my more significant ones that, that we talk about and plan quite a lot recently, actually, because we're looking at um, starting our family in the next four years or so, is a, is, a, is, a, is a wealth legacy. A wealth legacy and a company legacy. And so, for example, with our, with our finances, we have a very um, intricate um, family wealth structure that is set up to have at least a hundred year long plan and um, and so robin 's wealth is going in, and my wealth is going in we 're joining it we 're we're, we're accumulating it never to be touched for hundred for a hundred years and um, after that where we get older as it starts growing, we have a kid it 's going to go even longer down and so really, what I think would be fantastic is when i'm when I die is to have a an estate there to have some kind of financial entity that I can set instructions for it, so that I can go and then have that financial entity go and keep serving on the planet after I'm dead. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would be cool. And in fact, every time I th- I, I think about that and and and, and Take action to put that in place, it's very inspiring. And I find that it actually helps you come up with ideas for the day-to-day, it helps you come up with business ideas now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the, the longer you set your goals out for, the easier things flow in the in the in the day-to-day. It's the old thing like, I don't know if I've told this analogy. If you're in a if you're in a tractor and you're plowing a field and um, you want to do a straight rows, straight lines. And if you, and if you, what you do is if you look at the end of the row and you drive, it's going to be relatively a straight line, easily, effortlessly straight line. But if you're only looking sort of down here at the grass in front of you, right in front of the tractor, you can't see where you are. And so you end up doing a, a, a wiggly wobbly line. Same with, with life. I think the longer that you set the goals out, the, the smoother and the straighter you end up running. Yeah. Um, and so that's one of my um, financial ones, to build a financial entity that can keep serving after my, after my time is done. And then the School of Mastery is the start of my um, informational legacy as well. I asked myself the question, like, if I had 24 hours to live and I had a, a, a concrete tablet and I could only had that bit of space, like an A4 uh, size bit of paper, but in concrete, what would I etch into it as the final words that I that I had? You know, every the culmination of everything that I had ever learned, summarized. Wow. And um, I, th- I sometimes think about that, and 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 I, I try to draw it out. And really, what it is is it's the it is is it's the sequence of what I've built out in School of Mastery. Number one, find purpose. Number two, build a business around that purpose, so that you can literally wake up every morning and do something that you love that serves people and gets you financially set up. Mm-hmm. Number three, manage the wealth so that you can build it and have a have a family wealth goal that's longer than your life so that you can have more money at the end of the, your life than life at the end of your money, kind of thing like what most people do. And it just goes down like this. And so when I put my uh, concrete tablet together, that was my initial structure for how I wanted to roll out the School and Mastery modules. And that's what I've done. So we're 25 months into that now. and um, and, and, and at the end of it, I think it's going to be a pretty cool piece of work. I think I'm up to 65 hours worth of, worth of video now on it. Um, and in all the key points, there's something like 100 or 200,000 words worth of um, key points and written material, something in the order of like 100 different tools and, and this kind of thing. But all of it combined, is a, it's a, I wanted to create the most significant and empowering body of work to help someone go and empower their life. Yeah. And um, in the best way that I knew how. And so, and that's what, that's what School of Mastery is. And so that's going to be a legacy as well. And I'll eventually I'll have people come on and, and manage it. But I think, you know, the, the two big ones, I think, of is School of Mastery and the and the financial entity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, super inspiring. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> is there any other words, any last words you'd like to leave the vlog? The, 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 vlog, the audience. <laughs> um, it's got a vlog in my mind. The audience, uh, for for finding purpose in the life, for, building a, a legacy like you were just talking about.
0: Yeah. I think that um, there's something that everyone has that if you look really closely is calling to you. And um, the real thing that I would say with 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 doing choosing the path to take is it's not the path necessarily that, that makes you happy and joyful and giddy and excited because generally what happens is there's another side to that and you swing into sadness and depression and all the thing. The the real purpose is the thing that you've you've kind of already been doing your whole life. When I did my purpose process and I really analyzed what I was showing up and doing in my life, I realized that it was the things like teaching. It was the things like reading from my little um, my little National Geographic and um, and repackaging and rewriting it in such a way that I had my own seasoning on it, and then taking that and selling it. And I realized that from day one I've been doing that. From and then through all of my life with the, with the with the porn CDs and everything, it was something like that. It was repackaging information, and um and so for me, I can see that that's what my life has been dedicated to since the beginning. And and it's when I do it, life flows, uh, wealth comes easily, relationships flow easily. Uh, I'm inspired by it. I don't have actually the the highs and lows, the happy, the sad, the elation, depression dynamics that that run me that run me down. I'm just centred with it. And so I think everyone has that really inside. And I think look for that. Because when you unlock that, everything else flows. Everything else is way more easy. You're more resilient with the business. You're more consistent. You show up. You're willing to put up with the bullshit with it. It's a better way to do it. Find the purpose and then go and serve people. Fall in love with earning is what I talked about today in a video. Earning is the lost art. And people want to win money and all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But really to fall in love with actually the process of going out and doing a service and getting paid for it, very few people want to do it, it seems, these days. Yeah. But if you can do that, you'll have, you have such a more empowered life. And if it's doing something that you love, then you'll be inspired by it as well.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Lewis, for coming on the podcast. Pleasure. Really appreciate your time and your wise words.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks for coming. <laughs> thanks for listening to trillions with me as your host elise grace please do me a favor and drop me a review on itunes or if you're watching on youtube like and subscribe would love to hear your feedback reading your reviews and comments keeps me inspired to keep creating the best interviews possible if you want to stay up to date with all my movements please check me out on social media at elise grace